Most of the time, we review books that we really like here on The Book Boys. Other times, we review books that stink. And when a book really stinks, we get fussy. So this is a warning that sometimes we'll swear on this podcast, or sometimes the material that we're reviewing will be adult in nature. So keep that in mind as you listen to this week's episode. Are you finally recording? Yeah, I'm finally recording. I know you were really playing up that whole you're eating thing. Uh, no, but, I'm just you know, hungry. Now it's all out the window. That whole bit you were working on the last hour or it so. It wasn't a bit. I'm just hungry. Yeah, all right, fine. So, Ben. Sorry, I'm still eating. Yeah, I can tell. What uh, What's it like doing this remote? Kind of like our first couple episodes. How does it feel to do that all over again? I miss your face. Do you? Yeah. No, oh, well, I I miss your chest. <laughs> <laughs> You've been wearing a lot of shirts that show off the chest lately. Ever since you started dating and getting out with women more, uh, you've really been yeah. working that chest. I miss staring deep into that broad expanse of uh, of flesh across the table yeah, from it's me. Easy. It's easy to just get lost in there. Yeah, it? it is. It's like looking out at a desert. It's just broad and expansive. Uh, how was your week, Ben? Uh, you know, yeah. How was anybody's week? Pretty I finally, I'm working from home. Yeah. Um, not today, because I took the day off, and I also have tomorrow off. But That's right. you got to eat up that vacation. Yeah. What did, uh, how did that Friday go? Because it was all boiling down to a Friday when they were finally going to tell you what they're going to do. How did that, how did that, what was the mood of the office? What was the well, chatter the mood, like? Yeah, the people? mood by that point had, I think, soured considerably. Yeah. Through- out the office because there had been zero communication up to that point. Um, any discussion of the topic was discouraged in the office. Wait, like they actually said, don't talk about it? <laughs> that, that's kind of what I heard, yeah. Wow. Nobody said that to me, but uh, other coworkers said like they were asked to not talk about it. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, yeah, so then Friday rolled around, there was... Um, we we didn't even know when we were going to be told what the plan was, mm-hmm. um, which was fr- it just seemed like they didn't have they didn't know what they were doing. And it's not like the <clears throat> announcement of the stay at home order from the governor came as a huge surprise. Everyone knew that was coming. Yeah. And it finally came. What was it last Wednesday? I think it was. Yeah. When he officially declared yep. it um, yep. at like two o'clock. So, yeah, we were waiting to hear. Did he do it on Facebook? That was the weird part. Like, I yeah. tuned into NPR because I don't have live TV anymore. Like, I lost the yeah. antenna that I used to have. And yeah. so I was like, ah, crap. I guess I got to, like, find a radio station. So I'm like, NPR will have it. And it sounded so weird. And then I was talking to another coworker, and I'm like, why does this sound so weird? And they're like, well, it's because I think they're just playing it off of Facebook. Like, our governor yeah, made an were. announcement over Facebook. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty bad. Anyways, go on. Yeah, so that came on Wednesday, and we didn't hear anything from the company Wednesday or Thursday. Mm -hmm. And we didn't even hear, like, when we would hear anything. Just silence from the leadership. (laughs) And it just got the impression they were scrambling to figure out what to do. Again, like, some big surprise that this came. Yeah. Um, And honestly, Friday came around, and I was half expecting them to just defy the order somehow and tell us that we still have to keep coming in even though like we all have the ability to work from home so that was like clearly to say 
Well, the like announce you, the announcement was made between like two and three, and when did they finally tell you a decision? Because they were really holding off for like the rest of the day before they said anything. Wasn't it like four thirty or four fifty by the time they told you something? So what? Yeah, the announcement came at. What what announcement are you talking about? The governor's announcement was at like two, like two, like it was done by like two thirty or something like that. And so yeah, from that point Wednesday. on, yeah, and you were you were still waiting. From until Wednesday till Friday. <laughs> till Friday. Yeah, we didn't hear oh, anything. I thought it was end of day Wednesday they had a no, plan. No, no, no. Oh. It, was, it was Friday afternoon. And so <laughs> we had finally... It's like the 1850s like, <sighs> style of management in a company. <laughs> it, it is. It's so old-fashioned. It's so annoying. so backwards. And so finally late Friday morning, we all got... Um, a calendar invitation, a meeting invitation mm-hmm. for 1 p.m. that afternoon for a mandatory announcement meeting. Like, well, that's obvious what that's going to be. Mm-hmm. And 1 o'clock came around and that got pushed back to one fifteen, And then one fifteen soon became one thirty, And finally, at about one thirty-five, <laughs> we had this meeting and the EVP came out <clears> and <throat> she announced that. It, it took her a while to, to get to the point, too, which is... <laughs> she was dragging it out for like 20 minutes. Yeah, she was <laughs> talking about... Um, part part of what she said is like, oh, she, she was thanking everybody for how they were continuing to come in and, and work during all this. And in situations like this, really, you know, you get to see people's true colors come out. Which I thought is a nice sentiment, but also like that goes both ways. Exactly. I was just thinking the same thing. You see the true colors of the company come out. Totally. She's not very self-aware as she's saying that. That's hilarious. Yeah. So that's what popped up my head. Like, yeah, I I see the true colors of my employer and it's not great. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, they they finally announced that uh, they were. And I was just trying to like make us all feel better by what was coming by saying like, well, we were about five minutes away from laying everybody off this morning, but we backed up off of that and we're just going to do uh, reduced hours and reduced oh, pay for the next two weeks. Oh, shit. Yeah. I don't know. Something about the coronavirus has turned me full on like old fashioned proletariat style attitude where it's like clearly we're seeing like corporations are just selfish as hell and their reasoning oh, yeah. is just going down the tubes for what like. So yeah, hearing this I'm is sure. terrifying and frustrating for me. Yeah, and I think I was, honestly, I, I've become so disillusioned with my company over the past couple of weeks. I was hoping to be laid off so I could just collect unemployment. Yeah, but they weren't have... going to, well, clearly. Like, there's still business that can be done and money that's going to get made by having people work remote. Yeah. It, it, it's just lying. They're just flat out lying by saying, like, okay, here's this really horrible thing we could have done, which isn't true. But we're instead, yeah. we're what are they doing? They're, like, having you guys work part-time 40, more or less yeah 40 percent reduction in hours so, yeah which is what they say but in reality given the culture of the company writ large off and the my, books yeah. my boss being a uh, workaholic it's we're going to end up working close to full-time anyway oh totally and it's not going to be counted yeah. yeah i think your boss just comes from the old school i worked at a place that had that too where you have the old school approach of if you're not in the office you're probably slacking off and not getting your work done is like the attitude that I at a couple places I worked at in the past. Um, so they just never let anyone work from home. Like if you were like, "Hey, I got a sick kid, so I'll work from home." They're like, "No, just take PTO," because they just didn't want. Like if you're not in the office, they don't trust you. Yeah, and, and that's think, what it was like before they they finally said that we should all be working from home. Yeah. Before that, it was like you know if you're not comfortable coming in because of the virus, we understand you can just take 
paid or unpaid time off. <laughs> it's like you can't use your company issued laptop or cell phone and just do your job from no, home. No, you have to take. Yeah, you can take some unpaid time off if you want, and and we're fine with that. There won't be any repercussions. Totally ridiculous. Like, yeah. So, and I'm sure there's repercussions with their attitude and how they've been acting. I'm sure that if you oh, did yeah. take PTO and unpaid time. And then finally came in when you felt safe. Uh, they'd be like, "Yeah, you know, you kind of, sh- you know, showed your true colors, and so we're gonna let you exactly. go." Yeah. <laughs> so, pretty amazing. Well, that's exciting. Anything else happen in your week, Ben? Yeah, I went for a lovely hike today. I, I had today off, and I have tomorrow off too. So, took advantage of a glorious uh, early spring day here in Minnesota. It was, it was sunny. Really it was nice. in the fifties. Mm-hmm. Went for a nice muddy hike. Yeah. Went over many state parks. Mm-hmm. Did you uh, yeah. run into any other people? Did it get weird at any point? It was very busy there. I was I was surprised at how busy it was there. Mm. That's the I thing. Because um, oh, I think because kids aren't well, kids aren't in school, so it looks like there's a lot of families there just bringing the kids out and yeah, making the best of it. So good for them. I know my kids were uh, last week or last weekend. Um, they were shocked at how they look out their window and they just see a lot of people walking up and down the street when normally all you ever see is cars. But there's like way less traffic and a lot more people just walking. And they're like, this is really weird. And I said, well, this is what it was like in the 70s and 80s when I was a kid. Like, you just didn't stay in the house because there's nothing to do. You got sick of sitting inside all the time. So you just went outside and wandered around. It was more interesting than sitting in your room. I've tried getting out of the house and walking around. And it is amazing... It's not that I'm trying to be, like, a problem, but if I'm walking down the sidewalk and someone's walking towards me, I'll move over to the side of the sidewalk, expecting that they'll move over to the other side of the sidewalk, and we're only going to pass each other briefly. And it's not like we're standing next to each other or anything and breathing all over each other. I understand how it works. I get that the uh, the virus will stay in the air for up to three hours and stuff, but we're walking and just kind of cruising along. I figured the... It's got to be pretty minimal as far as risk goes when you're just passing each other for a split second. But people will suddenly cross the street to get away from you yeah. and stuff. And yeah, I was no, like, I've been oh, that. Yeah. yeah. So I've been trying to respect it. I mean, that happened once, and I was like, oh, I guess I should be more aware of that. Like, you know, okay, fine. So then I take a walk today, and I see this old couple walking towards me on the sidewalk, and I thought, okay, well, they're old, so I should definitely be safe. So I kind of walk out into the street a little bit. And they look at me as if their, like, feelings are hurt. So I don't know how to play this game. <laughs> I don't know what the hell I'm supposed to do. Am I supposed to respect I, everyone and stay out of their way, or am I supposed to just be normal? I don't get it. I think walking into the street, is that's what I've been seeing more commonly, I guess, is... Yeah, keeping distance. Opposite sides of the sidewalk are enough anymore. you got to go into the street or the other side of the street. Yeah, like. so what I started doing after that is I just walked in the street the whole time. <laughs> I didn't even get on the sidewalks at all. But it's weird. I'm seeing people out walking. I'm seeing people just standing around in their yard uh, talking to people on the neighboring lawn, but they're like 20 feet away from each other kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Seeing little kids on bikes biking around all by themselves with no parents. Like this one little girl who had to be like eight years old maybe. Um, had a big old helmet on and this tiny little bike and she was just cruising down the street and I looked around and there was no parents anywhere nearby. I'm like, what the hell is going on? It's like the 80s all over again. I haven't seen this ever. <laughs> parents not hovering around their children. What the hell is going on? I don't know. It's weird. Strange times we, we have here. Apparently. Well, that's it for your week. Uh, my week's been uneventful. Yeah, pretty much. 
Okay. How's the uh, quarantine okay. cat doing? Uh, the quarantine cat's now out of quarantine. Uh, oh, that's good. The upside is it's less afraid of me because I'm not giving it drugs anymore. So it's not like every time it sees me, it's running for its life. Because uh, it's just had so much PTSD from this last week. And then um, my old cat, which is the whole point why we got this cat, so that he wouldn't be lonely. He's not lonely. He's more active than he's been in years, as if he's young, like running around and stuff. But it's all to harass and genuinely scare the new cat. Like he's hissing at it and he's smacking at it with his paws and stuff and attacking it. So this poor cat is just constantly being bombarded ever since the day we got it. Uh, Just never being comfortable in its new home. But the upside is my old cat has never seemed more youthful. So that's my week. All right. Anything else you want to say, Ben? Oh, I can hear you gurgling. Oh, sorry. You can clean that up in post. (laughs) Anything else you want to say about your week? Um, You should replace your toothbrush every three months. And if the bristles get splayed, you're brushing too hard. Gretchen's back? that That's the best she could do, apparently. Oh, you're really getting down on it. Ever since she talked down to you last <laughs> time, you've really got a low opinion of Gretchen. I asked her if she had anything. She didn't have anything, and then she came up with it. I think she's she knows she's scraping the bottom of the barrel at this point. What if she has other tips? She, she thinks she's maybe told us that one before, too. Does that one sound familiar to you? I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure. What, does she... I'm thinking, like, she's lived a life, like a nice full life. Maybe she's got some life tips. Like, don't ever fall for someone uh, uh, love at first sight because it's never a genuine uh, relationship. Things like that. Yeah. House cleaning. Yeah. Well, clearly. Auto repair. Relationships. Uh, how to, how to like manage a difficult friendship, Ben. Any help we can get. Yeah. Both of us. Exactly. All right. read part one of Flowers in the Attic. Uh, Wait, what? We read part one of Flowers in the Attic. I was reading A Light in the Attic by Shel Silverstein. <laughs> Coincidentally, they both have two parts to the book <laughs> and multiple chapters. Uh, do, was, okay. Does Light in the Attic also involve incest? Um, probably. Actually, have you ever read Shel Silverstein stuff? Yeah, when I was a kid. I don't really remember yeah, a whole I lot mean, of it, but... It, it wouldn't surprise me if there was some incest in there. I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> he was a weird guy. Uh, for a children's book author, he was bald but had a really super cool beard. And then every picture on the back, it was him like looking kind of sexy, holding a guitar with yeah. a shirt unbuttoned down to his like navel. It was weird how, how sexy he was for a children's book author. Or at least how he yeah. presented himself on the back of the book. It's just weird. Well, that's what we have here. Uh, it is sexy, but the author isn't. V.C. Andrews isn't a sexy person at all. Um, oh, isn't she? I didn't really, uh, I didn't take into the author much. No. Uh, when was this book written? I 1979. Probably... I have the 40th anniversary edition. Oh, look at you. So the book was written in 1979 by V.C. Andrews. And according to Slate, it was a rite of passage for teenage girls in the 1980s. <laughs> Was it? I don't know. After reading the first part, uh, who's reading this and thinking like, 
Well, Jillian Flynn. That's true. But this isn't like a babysitter's club. You know, like something all teenage kids have yeah, so Rafe had. Yeah, teenage kids. Babysitter's club, that's preteen, isn't it? That's... I don't know. I knew kids in high school that were still reading that crap. You never had a lot of choice back then. Okay. Well, anyways, so this book uh, made a splash because it's about... It's got incest involved. So everyone had to go clamor to read that. And, um, and I'm finding it's also not very good. <laughs> it's on par with me. It's kind of the same as Twilight as far as quality goes. <laughs> I don't think it's quite that bad. I don't know. I was trying to think about like how I feel about this book, and it's strange. I don't know. It doesn't annoy me quite as much as Twilight for some reason. It is slightly better written, but not a whole lot better. Like, Twilight was incredibly repetitive in the yeah. points. Like, she was trying to make a point about Edward, and she would just hammer that point home chapter yeah. after chapter after chapter. Like, how he looked or something he said or whatever his attitude. Here, you don't have that. But the writing style is still just as transparent and kind of desperate. <laughs> it's hard to no, explain. The, I think the dialogue is the worst part of this book. It, the, it's similar to it's Twilight. It's really clumsy dialogue. Mm-hmm. I um, the I don't know if you want to get like the part where Daddy gets in the car accident and the cops come to explain <laughs> what happened was like it was almost comical. <laughs> yeah, how they were describing it. it was just like really weird, clumsy dialogue. It's throughout. like out of and, like the scene out of Naked Gun where um, O.J. Simpson is on the boat and he gets shot and then yeah. he gets stabbed and then he accidentally steps in a bear trap and then he winds up getting paint on his jacket then he burns yeah. his hand on the oven <laughs> like that's what was happening with the car accident it was just bizarre and uh, yeah it was weird the cops were just telling all this I to the to mom up. like well it wasn't that bad of an accident he would have survived <laughs> but he, he flipped over yeah. and then a and truck then hit he him. probably still would have been okay but he caught on fire and <laughs> the truck hit him and he caught on fire and I was just like laughing as I was reading yeah. all that it was hilarious to me so there's that and then the uh, the protagonist the narrator um Kathy, she talks like Gomer Pyle sometimes, which is weird. <laughs> like, gee golly lolly. Oh, I know. It was ridiculous. Good golly. <laughs> she says golly a lot. Oh, um. Anyway. Well, I will say, so the story starts out where you have uh, Kathy and Christopher. Uh, Kathy's eight, Christopher's ten. Got a mom and a dad. The dad is just constantly being described as just so handsome and so great at his job. And he's just this, like, beautiful, handsome Superman. The mom and dad are in love, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, very traditional gender roles in this family. The oh, dad yeah. is the breadwinner. The mom is... Yeah, she stays home, right? Kind of the perfect homemaker. Yeah, yeah it's just kind of this <clears throat> idyllic life back in whatever, the 60s or 70s, whenever this is set. Yeah, I didn't really know what the, the time period that this is set in because it is the late, late 70s. So, I mean, my mom in the 70s had a job. <laughs> like, yeah. maybe it's just we didn't have very much money, but maybe if you have more money, then the mom stays home. I don't know. But uh, so anyways, uh, there's a lot of Kathy being jealous because mom's pregnant with twins and the dad always comes home with gifts. And there was like a weird passive aggressive kind of thing where the dad always comes home because he's always out of town. He's traveling for his work. And so that he yeah, comes like every week. Yeah. And so when he comes home, he always brings a gift for the kids. And then it's like he has this talk with her where he's saying like, I always kind of hope that it didn't matter that I brought you a gift, that you just love seeing me. But I can tell now that you want to be important and special. And, you know, but, you know, I still love you, even though these other twins are going to be around. 
Um, but, you know, I kind of wished like you were better. It was just weird. I, I forget exactly what the words were, but, but then yeah. he gets killed. Uh, his 36th birthday. Well, it's, waiting the, for the twins are born. First of oh, all, yeah, that's true. Kathy, the girl, like likes the twins. She likes taking care of them. And then four years later, yeah, daddy dies in a car accident. Yep, and that's where he winds up getting, like, hit by a drunk driver, but he would have survived. Then he spun out of control, which he would have survived. And then, like, he got hit by a truck, which he could have survived. But well, then he started I think, on fire. yeah, he would have survived, but there was some debris <laughs> on the road, so that flipped the car. He would have survived that, but then he got hit by a truck. And then he would have that survived would have been that, fine, maybe, but he started but... on fire. And, yeah. <laughs> Just and, completely. And we know all this because the... The cops that came to break the news of the family, like, for some reason, just told the mom all these details of yep. how exactly her husband died. It's not good of, like, I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. I love your, that. Your husband has been tragically killed in a car accident. They <laughs> give like, step-by-step <laughs> details I know. of how exactly. Nobody would just say there was a fatal car accident and he didn't make it. I'm sorry. But instead, they're like, oh, it was nuts. <laughs> like, start telling her all about it. Uh, and then Kathy, the... Uh, the protagonist, the star of the story, uh, my favorite quote out of that was, I cried an ocean of tears, which is some yeah. classic Twilight kind of writing. So yeah. I was starting to see as this story goes on um, how Stephanie Meyer kind of got her inspiration maybe from this person. It'd be interesting to find out if, if uh, V.C. Andrews ever played a role in her writing style because they seem so similar to me. I wonder, yeah, probably. It, it wouldn't surprise me. So, yeah, generally speaking, the um, the dad dies. Mm-hmm. Um, we find out that the family's been living beyond their means for a while. He um, didn't plan any kind of 401k or uh, 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 insurance because he was too young. Damn it. He wasn't yeah. thinking that way. So they got no money. Yeah. And they have the, the repo men are coming to take all the furniture in the house. Yeah. Like within a month. week. So, <laughs> that was so the crazy yeah. Part. I think it was a couple months, wasn't it? I don't know. No, they made it sound it like was. it was under a month because the mom was immediately already starting to write a letter that was hard to write. And she was really like, they made a point of talking yeah. about how she kept trying to write this letter. And, but that was like a couple weeks or something after the death. Yeah. I guess there weren't any like consumer protection laws back in the seventies. So the, uh, the repo man could move in quickly. <laughs> I suppose. Um, so, so we find out that uh, mama or, name is Corinne. Uh, she comes from money. Yep. So she's writing, writing her, her mom to bail her out. And, uh, she's not getting a response for a few weeks, so then she finally gets the response that she's looking for. And her mom gives her the okay. She can come back and live in the mansion with the kids. Yes. Uh, and my favorite quote out of that was, oh, and also, this is part of the kind of just kind of crap writing, which is, okay, you've got what do I want? I want a couple of kids in an attic having sex with each other. How are we going to get there? Okay, uh, so mom and dad are are together, or whatever, but then it's like the dad dies, and so now how am I going to get them in this attic? Uh, mom's got rich parents. It's like so sloppy, and how it finally get like, they got to hurry up and move. They're going to lose everything. And it's like, how do I just get them trapped in that attic? So and we'll get to that part, but it's so sloppy and so badly done but my favorite is the quotes because she's got one that says when she tells the kids about her parents she says my parents are rich not middle class rich or upper class rich but very very rich filthy unbelievably sinfully rich (laughs) 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 that's why I wrote now we know where Stephanie Meyer got a writing style from (laughs) yeah just so bad I was just saying, sorry, going back to the uh, the birthday party where the cops have to come and <laughs> you break love the news. That part. <laughs> well, because also, so the cops are, are weird, just describing this accident in detail to the to the wife we just found out. But then the guests at this birthday party are also like, "What's wrong with these people?" 
I don't remember that so, there was guests. I don't know why I missed that part. So, so the cops come. They break the news of the family that daddy's dead. And one of the guests at the party says to Mama, our days are numbered. That's the way it is. From the day we're born, our days are numbered. Oh, that's right. I remember. Okay, that's <laughs> like, right. Who does that? Like, well, we all got to go sometime. <laughs> anyway, thanks for the appetizers. I guess I'll be going now. I guess the party's over. Plus, it's the 70s, so it's probably a guy who was all drunk and smoking a cigarette with, like, a cocktail yeah. ring on. And he's like, we all got to go sometime. And, like, pats her on her ass as he walks out the door. <laughs> Yeah, that's amazing. I forgot about that. Um, So we learn that her dad has no... So, like, she says that my dad wrote me out of the will because of something I did, and she won't say what it was. But then, like, she goes... Yeah, we we quickly find out it's incest. Yep. um, But then she goes uh, that uh, my, my, my dad has no heirs because I had two brothers, but they conveniently both died. Uh, and I forget, one was a skiing accident. Do you remember what the other one was? Motorcycle accident. Oh, that's right. Okay. Um, the, the motorcycle accident was first. The other brother was grieving that he moved to Europe and died in a skiing accident shortly thereafter. Yeah, he fell in the snow and they never found his body. Yeah. Um, and so then that was taking me back to uh, Station Eleven. Of Because reading about these brothers, I'm like, why bother putting them in? Like, they didn't even have to be mentioned. It was completely just dumb writing on your part to, like, why do you have to squeeze these brothers in? And then never mention them again, probably, unless we're surprised. Well, I don't know. They never found the body of the one. Is is there going to be some soap opera twist at the end of this? That's a good point. I didn't think about that. I was thinking, like, maybe at the end the brothers come up in some weird way, but but it's just kind of like, yeah, they both died. So anyways, I'm the only one left. Um, But then, like, Station Eleven, you had characters that ultimately didn't have a huge point but they were fleshed out enough where they were still interesting to have in the story um like that jeevens guy uh you know he he played a small part story-wise but then like you continued learning how his life went afterwards and that kind of thing so like there there was he was in there he might not have to have been in there but he was interesting enough that it was worthwhile these brothers had no have no point they didn't have to write about him at all uh, so I don't know, but you're right. Maybe there's gonna be a twist. Wait, yeah, at the we're end. only halfway through the books. So you're right. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. I thought like, ah, well, that's probably the last we'll hear about that. Whatever. Anyway, my uh, one of the advantages of that is this particular edition I have has in the back topics and questions for discussion. So if we want uh, some talking oh, points well, for the show, well. we can just let's do that. Just go through that. All right. Well, anyways, let's do our thing and then get back to that. Okay. Yeah, we'll get back to that. We'll try to plow through this. Uh, so basically, they get to the house. Uh, they already meet the grandma who's crabby as hell. Tells them, yeah, she's not nice. Opposite sex kids can't share a bed, but they do have to stay in a room and they've got to be hidden so that the this is a god-fearing mansion. It's a, yeah, it's she's very much uh, makes sex like the first thing she talks about and nudity and inappropriate touching. Uh, so she. Tells them they gotta say, what are they all gonna stay in the same room? They gotta hide out because they don't want the waiter, like the wait staff or whatever, the, the servants. servants and butlers, or whatever, to know about them being there. I don't understand the logic the mom gave on why the kids have to be hidden. Like, why? Why do they because have to be hidden from the dad? Like, they don't want the dad to know the kids are in the house, but the no, mom's staying in the, the house. No, the dad doesn't know the kids exist. I thought he did know that they exist. No. They made it quite clear he doesn't know that. Oh. So, so Mama has to win back her her daddy's affection, so she gets written back into the will. And also, Daddy had or 
the grandfather, he has a heart defect, so they're just waiting for him to die. Literally waiting for him to die. They make it clear about, like, when he dies, we're going to be so rich, and the kids are all like, yay. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, the mom knew about the kids, though. That's the reason why I thought the dad knew, because she says, like, I've heard about you, and I knew that you're, like, whatever. And by the time that it comes out that she married her half-uncle, um... She was saying, like, I knew about you and I knew that you're beautiful, amazing kids, but you're from an incestuous relationship, so you're, you know, evil as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, but no, the, the grandfather didn't know. So she's never told the grandfather. All right. I guess fine. not. Yeah. Well, that's, or unless she was just making that up, but she revealed to the kids later that in the letters that she was writing back and forth to try and get invited to the house, her dad, the kid's grandfather, had written somewhere, like, well, at least you're. Incestuous relationship never spawned any children or something oh, like that. So, okay. So he's apparently not aware that the children exist. Oh, got it, got it. Well, the next yeah. day, uh, I got my favorite quote, which is the grandma telling the kids, you will not fondle or play with your privates or look at them in the mirror. <laughs> you will touch them only to clean them. And, <laughs> and you won't linger any longer than Yeah, there was the word clean. linger, too. I know. Yeah, it's... Uh, Completely nuts. So yeah. the, the mom can't hang out with them. They got to hide in this room. They do have access to go up to this attic with the twins. Um, so they go up in the attic for most of the day and then, like, come down and sleep or whatever and have to hide out from the staff and everything. And um, the mom... So I don't know if we made made clear. You said at the beginning the the older kids were 8 and 10, but some years has passed since the beginning. So now they're, like, 12 and 14. No, and the, because during... Twin, the twins are four. During part one... Well, I guess, yeah, maybe. Because during part one, they spend a year uh, living like that. Yeah, I know. But I'm just saying, like, the very beginning of the book, the kids were 8 and 10, and the twins hadn't been born yet. But right, 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 right. when Daddy died, it was four years later. So the twins are four. Sure. The other kids are 12 and 14 when they get to this mansion. <clears throat> yep, yep. Um... So, uh, then they basically have a bunch of trunks up in the attic, so they put on clothes, and they're playing, and then the grandma keeps sneaking in and catching them and yelling at them about it, and all this stuff. And then the mom, who's not around a whole lot, because she's trying to spend time with the dad and convince the dad that she's a good person. Um, she's also just gallivanting around town and going sailing and going to the movies and stuff, we find out. Yeah, but before that, wasn't it before that that she got whipped by the grandma? Like, yeah, like she, the, the first day when yeah, she returned. Like she, she came back her, and there's like comeuppance or whatever. Like, yeah. yeah, so she like comes into the kid's room it was, and she uh, looks shaken and she's like, take your blouse off. I want to show the kids what I did to you. So she has to take her top off and show all the whip scars on her back. Yeah, so it was 33 lashes, one for each year she's been alive, and then <laughs> extra 15 <laughs> lashes, one for each year that since she had left, mm-hmm. since she had eloped with her half-uncle. That's 48 lashes. Yep. That's amazing. And the mom plays it off like, oh, it wasn't a big deal. It was just a read or whatever. So the story is weird because the mom, you would never go back to that environment, especially if you got whipped. You'd be like, I got to get my kids out of here. We got to go. You know, like, if you forget how rich they are, though, that's that's the laziness, the writing, which is very rich. You're going to endure. Well, sinfully, ridiculously, ridiculously rich. Um, but it's like the writing is so bad that it's like that is the one motivator to make them endure. Well, she should be worried about her kid's safety, but she's not. She's just going to. But she can't. She can't provide for it because she has no marketable skills. She can't get a job. She doesn't know how to do anything. She can get a job. You can get you can go, you can be poor and whatever and work your way up or whatever. you got Like you, you don't have to endure being whipped and not knowing what's going to happen to your kids because you're not allowed to be around them all day. That seems she made it. She made it clear she can't get a job. 
<laughs> she doesn't even know how to type. Well, that's where she starts suddenly going to school to become a secretary. Even yeah, though she's although, banking 100% she, on this dad yeah. dying. Is she doing that, though? I'm, I'm, I don't think we're completely convinced that that's actually happening. Well, that's the other thing, point. because she's uh, she's gone out on a boat with her dad and all suntan, just loves it, and tells the kids all about how great it is. And they can't leave. They can't go outside uh, for a year. And then uh, the other one was she was going to, like, one time she was going to go see a movie with, like, a friend. And she's like, oh, I yeah. can't get away from her. She keeps bugging me all the time, so i got to go see this movie. But the kids discovered that there's a... Did this, I hear your cat? Yeah, you probably did. There, wow. It's like a war zone up there. It's ridiculous. I refuse to go up there. Um, but anyways, uh, so it's like the friend has two brothers, so the kids suspect that mom's already trying to date other guys. And uh, it's, it's getting all questionable. So then I started to think, oh, maybe the mom is disappearing and everything she's saying is a lie. But uh, it's not, because they finally have a party to welcome her back. And it's a big, big party. And the kids say, well, we want to see. So she shows them this, like, closet they can go into. And they can, like, look through a grate and watch the party. And they see the party. And they see the mom dancing. And everyone's dressed really well, including the grandma, dressed all fancy and everything. And the grandpa's in a wheelchair. Because she usually only wears gray. They've never seen her wearing any other color. So they're shocked. Yeah, that's right. To see her wearing red or whatever. Um, And so, uh, and they see a fancy man. Uh, I forget his name, but uh, Bartholomew Winslow. That's <laughs> the Richie Rich Rich guy name. <laughs> it's just like Theodore Wordsworth or something. It's just crazy. Uh, like touches her breast at the party. Yeah. Uh huh. Kind of in like there's people around and like kind of a smooth yeah, operator. He's a smooth operator. Uh, at some point, she starts bringing lame toys. Like, hey, here's a bunch of, like, cardboard cutout things. You can make paper flowers. So they try to make, a, like, a fake garden. These Open the attic, yeah. yeah. Flowers flowers in the attic. That's yeah. the name yeah. of the book. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, she does tell them the truth about what happened um, with, a, with her dad being a half-uncle. And kind of gives a rah-rah speech about... Like, yeah, we're we're the family of incest. Uh, but you know what? It's, you know, we're only, it's considered bad because the laws say that there's a risk that kids will come out unhealthy, but you guys came out great. So the laws are dumb. And rah, rah, you're still people, like, you're good people and you should be proud of who you are. And the kids are like, yeah, incest doesn't matter. And I was reading that and I was like, this is like Twilight. Because Twilight, the message of abusive relationships are awesome was just driven home transparently through the whole book. This one... This one is, yeah, even... This is more blatant Totally than that. blatant. There's it's just like, like, incest is cool. Through the whole book. <laughs> With the rah-rah speech, there's a lot of little things being dropped um, leading up to it, how the brother keeps appreciating his sister's body. And it's like in a pos- like a sex-positive way, where it's like, well, you're growing, and... She's like, oh, I like to pluck all the hairs out of my body because I think they're gross. She's like, you shouldn't think they're gross. You're a woman and hairs are natural and you should be proud of yourself and consider your hairs sexy. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) So that's disturbing. Uh, Yeah, a lot of lame toys. Uh, (laughs) uh, Oh, she has also the grandma, uh, when the brother tries to decorate the attic, the grandma's like, sees paintings because I guess the brother can paint. And then she turns to Kathy and is like, 
he's doing paintings. Does he make you model for him? She's like, oh, I don't know, maybe. Yeah. Like, <laughs> do you do it naked? <laughs> yeah. At some point, Kathy's doing a ballet dance, and uh, Chris is, like, telling her, you should dance again because you're a good ballet dancer. So she does, and there's, like, this high sexual tension moment of them dancing together and holding each other closely and breathy. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, and so, yeah, they're both getting into each other's bodies, and it's getting really disturbing. What's the mess? What's the message here? Like, why? Uh, I anyway, know. <laughs> I know the message so far has been: it's natural to have feelings about your brothers or sisters, and having yeah. sex with your uncles and stuff. But she she tries to buffer the uncle thing by like he's a half uncle. What the hell's a half uncle? I can't even figure out how that works out. Uh, they get colds. That was a thing, and um, yeah, the twins—they almost die. And the mom is even like, "Well, we can't take him to the doctor because we don't want anyone to know you're here." So no, I think no, I think the mom wanted to take him to the doctor. It was the grandma that said no? Well, the mother suggests Her... they start taking vitamins. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, maybe yeah. And the grandmother says she doesn't want him to go to the doctor. So well, I think at first the mom didn't want him to go to the doctor, but then. I think once the fever hit like 104, she thought it might be a good idea. And the grandma was just like, Dad, just give him some vitamins and orange juice. Yeah, it, but takes, it, it takes three days to give her a call. Just give it time. Everyone knows that. But if if you're a parent, like in reality, if you're a parent, you you reach a point where like, I just want my kids to be safe. And you, you're not going to be like, oh, God, I'm going to lose my chance to be rich. And like also my mom is making a great point about just waiting it out. Like you're just like you'd panic and be like, no, I got to get him to a doctor. So that's where the story is like, so the mom is evil or something? Yeah, or, seems like it. She's or the not a great person. If the mom is still supposed to be a good guy, the reasoning behind it is still crappy, not very good. I don't know. But there's like this weird dynamic of the mom is compromising herself and what would be a good parent to wait it out and try to get the money. And the grandma doesn't like any of them and hates them and wants to whip them and shit, but also is trying to make sure the mom succeeds in keeping the kids hidden so ultimately the mom can get the money or is it just that she loves torturing kids and doesn't care if the if the daughter winds up getting the money like the, yeah, the it, grandma's motivations don't make any sense it's unclear yeah I, I, yeah I'm not sure what she's going for yeah like she's got a fetish of being the shit out of kids and just like uh, alright yeah. fine if my daughter gets the inheritance I gotta have a great time making these kids miserable so it's all worth it uh, there's like Christmas, uh, Thanksgiving, the mom makes them wait for hours and hours and hours till she can finally bring up some food from the Thanksgiving dinner downstairs. Yeah. Uh, just more horrible stuff. Um, uh, and also, that's where they have a talk where Chris at some point talks about how in the Middle Ages, uh, men and women and family members all slept in the same bed and they never wore clothes. They'd wear stocking hats to keep their heads warm. But the rest of it didn't matter because they had big blankets. And then Kathy thinks about how in the Middle Ages, people were more free with their bodies and didn't consider skin to be sinful. What the hell? That, none of that's true. <laughs> yeah, it could be. You can't prove that it's not. No. In the Middle Ages, you had a fireplace in your room that would go out in the middle of the night. So you had to really bundle up. And you wore the stocking hat because your hat would get cold. But you also had like that giant dress looking thing. Like Ebenezer Scrooge. You had a giant dress thing like thing you had to wear. Uh, and a ton yeah. of blankets on your bed because you would freeze to death because your room would get like below zero. Um, so no, they weren't just naked under there. <laughs> it's just stupid. Yeah. Yeah, it's so stupid. that was a weird, convenient, like made up thing. 
uh, Christmas party. Uh, oh, they they get to see. Uh, so it wasn't the it wasn't the reunion party, or maybe they were making the Christmas party like the welcome back party. I'm not it sure. It was yeah, it was around Christmas time that the welcome back party was happening. So they see Grandpa and how he looks like Dad. Gross. Yep. Uh, and then like looks like Mom and Dad apparently, <laughs> and then, like. Um, Kathy falls asleep and her brother decides he's going to go explore the house and he sees mom with like Theo Worth Trockmark or whatever. Bartholomew Winslow. There you go. Uh, sees those two uh, making out and then like the mom that was one weird part is she thought that he might still be in this one secret place and she was standing next to it with Bartholomew. So she glanced over to it, but he was in a different spot and he could see her. He could see her glance over towards it, looking all nervous, like, oh, no, I don't want to make out with this guy that my son might be, my kids might be watching. But she does anyways. So that's another message being sent in this book. Um, And then he sneaks off to her room to go see what her room's like. And there's a giant bed that looks like a swan. And at the foot of the bed, there's a tiny version of the swan bed. What's that about? day bed or something is that I don't know yeah it's like a tiny like for babies is what they're making it sound like so the twins celebrate their sixth birthday Kathy and Chris begin teaching the twins how to read and write all they do is watch TV she makes a big speech about how they learn everything from television and she talks about it as if they've been away from society for like a decade and don't know anything so they're learning everything through television but it's not even been a year at this point yeah, got, but I mean, they, those kids are very young, so very important years for them developmentally. I guess. I mean, Chris and Kathy, I don't know. They're making it sound like they're learning how to talk and stuff. Like, not just the twins, but themselves, like learning, I don't know, slang and things. Yeah. Uh, they decide to teach the kids how to read and write, which is, again, with the mom, why would you allow a situation where your kids aren't learning how to read and write? Like, I don't know. They should yeah, be in she's a horrible person. Yeah, and so I'm wondering, like, Either it makes sense later in the book you find out that the mom is like this psychopath or they're trying to just set up this thing because the author loves the idea of these kids being trapped in a room away from society and I don't know, who knows. But I wrote as a comment, all of this just so they can be rich. Because even the kids are like, this is fine because we're going to be rich someday. They're yeah. not like, this sucks, let's escape and go t- call social services. I have some questions. Okay. Why the hell is everyone willing to sacrifice their dignity and get whipped just for money? Why wouldn't it's, the mom just get a job? Okay, it's not, again, it's not a little bit of money. It's a lot of money. <laughs> I don't know if they made that clear enough. Why is the mom spending more time with the kids uh, and not going out on boats and seeing movies? Uh, I don't get the reason why she can't be around the kids so much. Couldn't she sneak in and be around the kids more? Uh, the mom keeps bringing lame gifts and... Uh, the author thinks that the incest messages will go unnoticed and we should just accept that incest is fine and uh, it's not really a problem. Okay, Mama can't be around the kids because that would make the servants suspicious if she wasn't... But she's how, gone all the time. Like, How is she getting in there otherwise? Well, I mean, she could sneak in there every once in a while. Don't think about it too much. <laughs> um, oh, they run around the attic naked. That was also weird. <laughs> well, because the sun comes in one of the windows in the attic for a brief period every day so they like to sunbathe nude <laughs> oh, that's right <laughs> yeah so yeah that's hey, kind if, of if you I were got. locked up in a room all day you'd be doing weird stuff too I suppose what do you what do you make of this I'm getting a I'm starting to think it's kind of like 
are you and I the only people that can read these books and see completely overt messages, like a motivation from the author, like a kink that the author has that's trying so hard? I think I've talked about this before. I, I don't think you and I are unique in that regard. You don't I'm think sure. so? Because it keeps happening in media. Uh, I've mentioned before about the Howard Stern movie from the 90s. And back in the 90s, I rented it because I worked at a video store. And I watched it, and there was a scene where he, like, innocently winds up naked in a bathtub with a stripper. But he set it up where it's all innocent, and it's a comedy of errors, and who would have thought that this would happen? Then his wife walks in, and it's supposed to be based on his real life. Uh, Then his wife walks in and sees him and hates him and then divorces him over it. But, oh, she just doesn't understand. It was totally innocent. And And I was watching it thinking, obviously none of this is true, and he's sending this as a message to his ex-wife. Like, hey, I got a movie. I can explain my side of the story and put it in the movie. Then she can't question it. (laughs) That's what's happening with this book. (laughs) Like, I think incest is cool. And so if I put it in a book, no one's going to question it, right? And I don't know. I'm starting to think that you and I are a minority because people love this book. Well, yeah, I'm not not saying everybody who reads it reads it with our... I mean, I don't think we're in the demographic that normally reads this book, so... I suppose. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. But again, we're only, we're only halfway done with it. Let's uh, hold all judgment until we get to the end. <laughs> I'm going to call it. I think that the... Well, we should do our wrap-up. Well, don't you want to... We're going to do the questions, too, on the wrap-up. Oh, okay. The whole wrap-up. I mean, to... We're done, we're done reviewing the story. It's a lot of questions. I know. I'm going to call it. I think nothing happened. We never hear about the brothers ever again. That's one thing I'm going to say. That's all I got to say. I don't say. know. I, I feel like we could because some of the writing is kind of reminiscent of a soap opera, I feel like. So I'm wondering if maybe the one brother whose body they never found just turns up somehow. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. That's true. It is very soap opera uh, Or maybe somehow somebody has assumed his identity. <laughs> somebody else claiming to be him. <laughs> yeah, he never found my body. A small little German man with perfect nails. <laughs> yeah. So he's got a German accent and everything. He's like, I am your brother. And they have to figure out if it's true or not. That's also, crazy. Like, and I don't know if that carries on into one of the eight other books in this series. <laughs> Is there eight? I didn't yeah. look up how many there were, but yeah, she really made a career out of this. Well, she's got the Castile series. Yeah. The De Beers family. Man, she made the shooting the 19- stars, the Hudson family. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Then there's the Coulter series. She's got She's a ton prolific. of series. She went She's prolific. Deep into the 90s. I, well, I guess also somebody is still writing books just using her name. Oh, really? Yeah, some guy. I can't remember what his name is. Andrew Niederman? Yeah, that guy. <laughs> so another guy picked up her stuff and just made new series because he can kind of write like her? I guess so, yeah. So he's, And they're still coming out under the V.C. Andrews name. Because on the cover of mine, you'll see that V.C. Andrews is a registered trademark. <laughs> I can't believe that she became like an entity in itself. Yeah. Because, yeah, the Castile series, it shows that Fallen Hearts, the third book in out of the five, was in 1988, started by Andrews, so she must have passed away, and then finished by Niederman. And after that, everything was inspired by Andrews and finished by Niederman. Yep. All the way into... God, they keep going. This Niederman guy just kept running with it. Oh, he's still... I think he's still putting them out. 
Yeah, we got Whispering Hearts is coming out in 2020 or 2021. There you go. Beneath the Attic, the Attic series, Beneath the Attic comes out or came out on August 27th of 2019. Nice. So some guy, (laughs) it's just you. (laughs) Who's buying these? Does anyone even care anymore? Who the hell's buying these things? I don't know. Yeah, I'm curious what the sales numbers look like. It's a VC Andrews Enterprises production. I can't wait to get it. (laughs) 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 So dumb. That's amazing. Do you think all, like, what are 80 of these books or whatever are all about incest somehow? (laughs) Maybe that's the reason why he can write her style so well, because he's just a... Just another guy with a kink. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, oh no, I, I get how she writes. Uh, I, I get how she writes. <laughs> well, uh, do you have any thoughts about this? Any complaints? I kind of pointed out my notes about what I was annoyed uh, by. Yeah, I'm just I'm just confused by this book so far. <laughs> it's I, I don't know. It's not quite as painful me personally for me to read as Twilight has been, but I don't know. It's that good, and I'm just. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm curious to see where this is going. Yeah, it, that is a big difference. the The writing style, like the the banality of it, and just the focus on the most mundane details, is similar between Stephanie Meyer and VC Andrews. But what makes it more tolerable and not so painful is that VC Andrews doesn't just keep taking one thing and hammering it over and over and over again, like. Edward's dangerous, so for the next three or four chapters, you have to find out about how at any moment he can't control himself and he might kill you, even though he loves you. Like, you just keep hearing about that over and over for, like, five chapters, and you just get exhausted after a while. Um, yeah. But with V.C. Andrews, you can actually read it, and it's not as painful, so yeah. I get what you're saying. I didn't enjoy reading it, but, yeah, it wasn't as bad as some of the other stuff we've read. Yeah, no, their time in the attic is very much, as far as painting the picture of what life is like in the attic... Um, that could have been wrapped up in a chapter or so, but that is the majority of part one is just what it's like living in the attic. And it was getting pretty old after a while. Yeah. And then the nudity came in. Oh, they, yeah. you know, they were hugging when they were buck naked. The grandma caught them. It was fantastic. Hot, 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 hot. Man. Well, what about your, uh, at the end of the book, you said you had some, um, study guide questions topics and questions <laughs> for discussion yeah. uh, i don't know if this is going to be i actually i kind of forgot these were back here so i haven't looked at them at all um mm-hmm. i don't know if these are going to survive your editing i don't know if these are going to be useful at all all right um but let's just go let's see even what we that got here. even that opening statement isn't going to survive the editing because if they don't survive the editing it all goes away yeah look what you just did all right go on do you, do you want me to or not? <laughs> yes. <laughs> not sure you even want me to. No, I do. All right, number one. Uh, no, uh, just buckle up. These are long, by the way. These are long questions. Yeah, go ahead. It's fine. On page 36, <laughs> Kathy says, Looking backward to that night ride on the train, I realized that was the very night I began to grow up and philosophize. <laughs> With everything you gained, you had to lose something, so I might as well get used to it and make the best of it. End quote. Do you agree this is the moment Kathy began to grow up? Or do you think it was at a later point in the book? If so, at which point? Why? Uh, Well, my personal thoughts are when her mom told her that to become a woman, there needs to be a sloughing off of the inner walls of your uterine walls to prepare it for fertilizing an egg, which means that there will be bleeding. 
And her response was, but mom, I want to be a ballerina. I'll never have babies, so I don't have to have a period. And the mom says, oh, no, you're going to have it anyways. Until you're 50 or maybe older. <laughs> that was probably the most awkward way to go about explaining how periods work to a kid. Uh, and the, her adorable way of fighting against it. Um, that's when I think she became a woman. I think it was slightly before that um, when she said uh, uh, hard little apples were beginning to poke out of her chest. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I think you win. I think that's the first moment. But the being on the train, nah, not so much. No. She was still a child then. And he's having wet dreams. He is, and the daughter said, you should mm-hmm. go to the doctor about that. And he said, it's just nocturnal emissions, silly girl. Yeah, and he goes, you're going to get them pretty soon, too, which made me think, does that happen? Well, I, no, he was talking about her period. Oh, I thought he was talking about her having nocturnal emissions. No, he like, huh. said. <laughs> like, no. I guess I'm ignorant, I don't know. Well, all right, Ben, what are your thoughts so far on this book? Yeah, I don't know, it's, like I said, not quite as painful to read as some of the other stuff it's i don't know it's kind of slow though it's it is slow it's taking its time to get to where it's going let's just get it over with i think we both agree this book is uh slightly more entertaining so far than twilight but still just as bad so uh, it's yeah it's it's pretty bad are we gonna record next week well yeah we gotta finish this up right yeah and then uh yeah we'll do that from there all right well stay safe ben don't uh don't get a virus don't go rubbing up against anyone at the grocery store. You, you too, buddy. Stay safe. <laughs> All right. Uh, see you next week. I'm going to take my headphones off. You're going to do it. Go ahead. Do it. Book boys. Oh, you bastard. All right. Thank Thanks for listening. Yeah. Am I supposed to hang up now? <laughs> no, we can stay on if you want. God. Yeah, it's awkward recording a... Recording over the uh, the thing. I was thinking, if you really are bored, I don't know if you are, but you were like, last time we talked, it seemed like you didn't want to get off the phone. I was kind of joking about that. Oh, I was wondering. Okay. I didn't know if you were like, like oh, well, no, that was, that was okay. Thing. I was like, if Ben was reaching out, I kind of had no time for him. <laughs> no, no, I was, just, I was just joking about that. Time. I figured, yeah. Uh, but I was thinking, if you do ever get bored and you just want to have uh, indoor boys, Quarantine boys seems too obvious. Uh, shut-in boys. Behind-the-door boys. I don't know. You could have a bonus episodes where we just complain at each other if you wanted. <laughs>